0: Welcome to the show. You can watch and subscribe to the Project FIA TV show on YouTube. Drop comments and questions to us on the podcast via Twitter. Our handle is Project FIA. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy. This is Project FIA Goes PC. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good morning. What's up? Lockdown, UK lockdown week, number eight. Pretty much two months, two months of that. But it's episode number 66 of FIA Goes PC. And if you play the football bingo game that I've just invented in my head, it's the Trent Alexander-Arnold episode. That's right. because here's number 66. Anyone who knows Liverpool. Anyone who doesn't know Liverpool, you don't know football, so shut up and go away. And I don't care about you uh But if you, you know, I mean, I, there's a few, there's a few exceptions. Wolverhampton is nice because I've got a unicorn, slayer you know. But that's it. That's that's, nah, that's a stretch. I'd, I'd, I'd stretch to a few more if I was drunk, but I never drink. So there you go. I am your host, Rebel Zen, aka Danny Hale. And with me, looking fatigued, looking worn out, trying to blend in with the curtains that she's found in a skip because we're still in the field of sheep. Been very cold. We'll talk about that in a minute. Is our producer Winifred say hello? Hello. Have you had a bad week? Uh, just tired of yeah. everything. Yeah. Of life. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard about the sheep poet that's walking around? No. Goes by the name Bard. Yeah. Mm. Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a joke. Bit of a joke. Bit very cold, hasn't it? mm You've gone back to your uh, hibernation period. It dropped by 10 degrees. No false advertising here. We did predict the weather. Yes. Yeah. Quite accurately. Very accurately. Mm. That's why we have AccuWeather <laughs> on our phones, to give us a week forecast so we sound smart and we actually are. A lot of people are doing that these days, especially in pub quizzes. They just look at Google. And, uh, That's well, cheating. No, they, they've, they've stopped that. All the digital revolution of the pub quiz has not given you enough time to look on Google, and Mm. you're usually using a phone anyway to do the quiz. But the old style, like Ned over there in uh, Dublin, or just outside of Dublin, kill something. Uh, County kill something, I'm sure (laughs) that's a place. Kenny, kill Kenny is obvious, that's the South Park character. But um, basically, I'm sure out there in the farmy side of uh, Southern Ireland, or Republican of Ireland, or Republic of Ireland, or the Republican Irish guy, or the Leprechaun Land, whatever you want to say, whatever's more PC to you, uh, Ireland. to the rest of us. Uh, yeah, not Northern Ireland. That's a whole different thing, but just Ireland, Ireland, the land of ire. They're all angry there, very angry about something. Green, you might <laughs> say, with some kind of envy, jealousy, or a lot of fields and four leaf clovers. That island, that particular island, they probably don't do the digital version of Poker. In those places. I don't know uh, if I've I'm ever been. I'm pretty sure that nine times out of ten, it's one guy and the rest of dogs. Or Aww. sheep dogs. Or maybe a couple of sheep. Ireland's an amazing place. If anyone's listened out there, it's the most ironic name for a land ever. Because they have no ire in Ireland. They're beautiful, beautiful people. And if you're listening in in around the Republic of Ireland, or even Northern Ireland, there is a difference. Look it up on google right now fake your pub quiz results or your maths or your GCSEs, whatever you want uh, it's all there for you uh just don't believe in wikipedia it's not a religion uh it's a uh, open source program which means it's a bottle of ketchup that someone's not put the lid back on in the middle of your kitchen open source open.
1: yeah
0: yeah um, so it's the land of ire with no ire um. that's the irony of it yeah, they're brilliant. Celtic. I reckon it should rechange. Should go for a rebrand. And it should be called the Celtic lands. Yeah. Just because people in Boston only can say Celtics. Celtics. That's how you say it. Should it be Celtics. a hard K? Yeah. hard. It's not hard K. <laughs> hard C. Hard C. A hard Hard-ca. C. Hard-ca. It's a C that's frozen over. A bit mm. like hell. If this lockdown ever ends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pensive. Pensive week. I I mean, I'll be honest, I had a pretty rough couple of days when the weather dropped uh, since Monday. Been a bit mentally difficult. It feels like we're all running a mental marathon with all of this. Lockdown, COVID-19, malachia Like The thing that's really polarizing is if you're out there in America right now, and there's a lot of people who aren't out there in America because you're on lockdown too. So if you're in America right now, but you're not out there in America right now, (laughs) uh, just to correct myself. Uh, your way of dealing with everything in this in a country, let's face it, an immeasurable amount of times bigger than ours. We are the same size as Florida, the nipple of America, as we like to lovingly call it. Um, and basically, all I can say is your politics are running like our politics are running. Everything is unilaterally the same. Your ways of dealing with it feel exclusive to you if you live in America because. That's what you're told every day, blah, blah, blah. Same with the UK, but if you cross them over and just do a side-by-side comparison, it's like a spot the uh, difference picture, you know? Mm. Like, is it A, B, got to look for the things that are different in this faked-out picture of this, like the moustache is missing in the guy behind yeah. him or something like this. There is no difference. We are both dealing with this situation, a sizable nipple country compared to the entire you know, basic sheep structure of America, and we're just a nipple of it. You've got to see the scale difference. That's a lot of difference, and yet we're dealing with it in the same way. So, you know, when you're in America right now, I just want you to understand that there's something wrong in that picture. We're only a small little place, uh, separated by four states. If you want to say that, they're not really separate. United Kingdom. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Uh, and basically, yeah, United States of America. And again, comedy. Uh, but like I'm saying, like the way we're dealing with it is so parallel. It's, it's quite scary. What I've noticed, which has further kind of pushed me into the recess of uh, having to hug the sheep. I used to be separate, but now I cuddle onto them because it's easy to get depressed. And they make a great pillow. They smell a bit, but that's because I've got a nose. Anyway, so <laughs> what I was going to say is, The thing that's quite depressing is that the news has dropped the report of this centralized coronavirus. There's a few flicks here and there of stuff like how many people died, you know, the mortality stock market, as I said. Mm -hmm. But basically, they are now electing to go back to older stories, mostly our story about Brexit. Yeah. Uh, Europe and and the UK are currently in negotiations over that. Mm -hmm. Again, still carrying on. And it feels very much there's a gaining, underlining traction where you suddenly see politicians able to freely manoeuvre, do whatever they want. Their jobs and lives are back to somewhat normalcy, you know. But we're all still in this situation of lockdown. And you know, I think it's it's going to have to be a very interesting scenario now, two two three weeks coming out of this, where they literally have to start opening doors because it's becoming. It's, it's okay for us in a field with sheep. Nothing's changed. It's always been the same. We, we live this life. We don't have the <laughs> options. We, we can't sail away to our nearest city. You're all thinking, how do you sail away to a city if you're in a field of sheep? Well, there's a river. I'm just saying. Like, you've seen Lord of the Rings. You figure it out. It's exactly like that here. Full of New Zealand people and everything. No. Yeah. Yeah. New Zealanders, I think they're called. New Zealand people. Wow. Whoa. Did you know why it's called New Zealand? It, have you done the history? You can look it up on Wikipedia right now, but I'll, I'll tell you it just to save you the effort mm-hmm. of using your thumbs. It's because they ran out of the letters of the alphabet by then. They've gone through everything. There's Ireland, they've England, you know. Where we get that that far into the South Where's Pacific. New Old Zealand? Well, it's not even that. It's just New Zealand. Because Z is how we meant to say it. Mm-hmm. So it should be called New Zland or Zland? No. But because of colonialization, aboriginals, Z became Z, which is how we treat, uh, teach our kids. What we do is sound, don't we? Like Z. So the alphabet and phonetics when you're mm-hmm. a kid Z. Uh, I think it was it. But for some reason, it split in America became Z. And for us, it became Z, always. That's a new zombie series. New Z land. World War Z. Mm-hmm. It sounds more like you're watching a fantasy film, doesn't it? Yeah. Like where everyone in uh, uh, there's no place like home place. What was that called? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Tin Man, Straw Man, Lion, Dorothy. Oh, um, Wizard of Oz. There you go. Zed sounds like, if you said World War Zed, it sounds like a battle. Either that or it's the guy in Pulp Fiction that's dead, baby. Because Zed's dead, baby. See? They do say Zed, but they just don't say it in the Z. Fashion. Yeah. Mad. It's spelled Z E A anyway. I never thought anyone would think we turned Brexit into a linguistics conversation, but we are that <laughs> talented. Why are we talking about new zealand This is a tangent, so tangent like it should be a pasta called Tangent and telly Tangent telly. I can't even say it. I don't know how we ended up in this really. field. Rivi Riviera. I've just invented a character on a wrestling Anyway, um, we're moving back to sense. My point is we dropped back to Brexit and I find that to be counterintuitive, mm. if I'm honest. Um the French present, uh I call Macron. him Mac macro mac- mac- macaroon. Yeah. Uh, he's a great little <laughs> snack that you have. Uh Japan's <laughs> really into that. Asia's big fan of macaron right now. Uh macaroon, as I like to call him. Mm. Or uh, macadamia nut. Uh whatever. I don't know why he has suddenly piped up and become like an authority in the EU stuff. But anyway, it's you've got to take this with a pinch of salt. You've got to kind of look at it like the news is just reporting general whatever the hell. Uh, it's a different scope around Europe anyway. Multiple languages, obviously. Press is focused on different things. Just if you listen out there from an English perspective, of, and, and you are in Europe right now, we have a lot of European listeners, so I like to... Uh, Say hi to the block. Don't know why they've started dubbing it the The block. block. I would say the Contis. You know, my buddies on the continent, just call them the Contis because I'm cool. Contis, man. Mm. That's where it's all at. Um, You got to be careful which accent you say Contis in there. Yeah, (laughs) just saying. Uh, But basically, like, if you're on a European continent, I mean, here's what most, 9 I'd say 99.9% of British people actually think about Europe is that when we leave England, everywhere's better. <laughs> yeah. Every single, you could go from England to, I don't know, uh, Calcutta uh, slum town, right? And it'd be better. The weather's better. People are tropical, better curry, cheaper curry. Indian mm. food's different. Big issue guys aren't as harassing. Uh you can also give them less and they they're really thankful. Uh I've noticed if you're out in Calcutta. Is it still called Calcutta? It hasn't changed the name. It's not in one of these Bombay situations. <laughs> I'm just joking with it. Anyway, if you're in India right now, you're too far away. I'm talking about Europe, so just bear with it. I'll get to you in a minute. So European people. Honestly, we're we're fascinated with Europe. Like it's it's an amazing thing. Like for example, I would argue there's a lot of tourists coming from the UK right now to say Romania. Uh, Transylvania, there's always been. They're interested in the Dracula, Vlad the Impaler stuff. The culture of uh, Eastern Europe is becoming more of a spotlight now as it opens up more to us, you know, in the last 20 years. But you won't hear one English, British, Scottish, Welsh, Irish person literally sit there and say, oh no, we hate the continent of Europe. Everyone goes there because it's better like it's better for so many reasons but it's massive land span there's loads of culture the weather's mostly better uh unless you're in finland uh and then it's just damn cold that's all i guess that's how they say it. every day in finland the weather report comes out damn cold today <laughs> guess get a uh, great big shocker it's really cold out there oh tomorrow forecast gonna be cold yeah, it's basically like that all year round. Um, yeah, It's cold in the winter, obviously, uh, by a lot of degrees, uh, just because someone's got the angle right. But basically, you know, Europe's better. We'll all say that. Very agreeable mm-hmm. to us. I mean, we could go to the London club scene as much as we want. But for some reason, we haven't got the money to because it's a fortune. But for some reason, tourists come there. They love it. It's great. But of course, for us, it's like South Spain, Ibiza, all of the deals and all this stuff. And of course, on lockdown, I'm making a lot of people hate me saying this because they're like, oh, my God, I had some holiday and you're reminding me I can't do it all. Well, get over yourselves. Go to India. It's a great place. Go to Slumtown. It's about time you do that. It's real. I don't think so. I don't think you can. I don't no. think we can. I don't think that we can even get to India right now. I'm not saying that that's the last straw final time. <laughs> Sorry, India. Uh, I, I love you, really. You're a great country, uh, civilization. Uh, you do some fascinating stuff with your uh, woodwork. Yeah. Woodwork? Yeah, yeah. Like gan- uh, Ganesh. Mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. I've just butchered the hell out of that. Well, English yeah. people don't say what they say because if we say what the Indians pronounce things like, we sound racist. So we have to make our own words, otherwise we sound racist. A bit like Chinese. A lot of people think when you say sweet and sour chicken, especially if they're Chinese, they don't know what the hell you're talking about because it's not called that in Chinese. But if we try to say the Chinese name, going to have guy in it because that's chicken see I'm multilinguist. Cool old guy. there you go. see <laughs> Well, that's it, not even who's that tradition. guy? Is that what you just said? <laughs> no cool old. Oh that's cool guy, right? No. Cool, low guy, like midget that's really cool. dwarf got to be I'm having a very, very bad time of PC today. <laughs> I really am. It just won't start. I'm on the new Windows update. I cannot start my PC for anything. Um. Oh, it's too politically correct, these laptops. So, what I'm going to say is you will find that most British people love continental Europe. We have no problem with it. None. We love going there. In fact, a lot of our expats out there they have changed the state in a bad way. They're like radiation poisoning. So, if you have an expat from Britain in southern Spain, they're usually not the guy you want in southern Spain, they're the jackass of the entire town. And they're demanding different things. Not always. Some are pleasant. But you know what I mean. Every nation's got one. That one guy that goes there demands things that are English. It's obviously not his country and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. right? And vice versa. Spanish guy here, but it's less common. Because no Spanish guy, right-minded, unless they're married or working, They wouldn't come here because it's a downgrade to them. (laughs) Like, oh, yeah, I came for England for the weather. What, are you mad? Yeah. That's like I went to Finland to escape all of the sun. You know, why would you do that? It's crazy. What is it with you in Finland today? Oh, just keeping it real. Uh, It's another fun land, isn't it? Finland. (laughs) It's where all the fish went. Because when the Ice Age ended and it was all defrosting, they all went to Finland, which is why it's called Finland. Because mm. all of the fossils turned up. It's just nothing but Finns everywhere. Mm. Oh, it's a Finnish place. <laughs> and so it's where all the finish lines to every worldwide marathon should be. Because that's the Finland. Like, if you're no French, that's the end of the film. Mm. You go out of the cinema then. If you're still there, you're expecting a post-credit sequence. I'll tell you something about French cinema. They don't have one. You'll be there for a long time in what? nothing but <laughs> darkness. <laughs> yeah. That's the best thing the French do, you know, because like if they've had a Marvels take, French every nation should have their own comic book universe. What an amazing time that would be! Yeah, I mean, in in a way, we're seeing hints of that. Like Israel's had that comic graphic novel come out as an animation. You know, there's loads of different things all over the place. There, there's loads of stuff coming out of every nation, um, but it's not it's not got the it's not got the world lock that mm. Marvels got. I always thought the old Wushu comics of China, if they're repackaged and rebranded and presented as a kind of quasi-Marvel universe, remodernized look at it all. You mean the novels by Jin Yong? I can't say that one because I sound racist, but yeah, that guy. Uh, I didn't even say Uncle in Chinese. Uncle Jin. Uncle Jin. Gum <laughs> <Uncle Jin. laughs> Yong. Uh, he's got a partner with uh, Lu uh, Tonic, right? Because then together they're gin and tonic comics, right? Oh, that's right. Gin and, it's, it's gin and tonic comics. That's that. See, I'm just putting these thoughts out there. They're free for anyone. Uh, some of them are very controversial. I'll be honest. I don't know why. I think I woke up on the controversial side of the the controversial side of the. Uh, if you if you're from New Zealand, that sounds totally normal. The country contra. Yeah, no, the controversial side <laughs> of the. <laughs> Of the field this morning, yeah. That's yeah. what eight weeks of lockdown does to you guys. I'm not, I'm not joking. I'm, I was trying to point this whole thing out. I keep going on tangents because it's, it's like my creative comedy nesting noodle brain. But I will come back to the point. I want Europe to know that we, most by and large, there is obviously that 0.1% of us that we don't like and we don't control. And they tend to have more travel in most... And it's annoying. The bad representatives. Yeah, the what the ones that we tended to send to the colonies to yeah, start like business. Chinese tourists. Uh, I'm not going to say <laughs> nothing about that. I find them to be fairly innocent. They're just fascinated by anything that's free oh. and democratic. But uh, oh my god, this statue isn't got like propaganda around it. Jesus, you know, and they're taking pictures of cracks in the floor because you don't have cracks in the floor in Beijing. No, because if you did. the government would shoot in the head so all i'm saying (laughs) all i'm saying you're adding the tangents i'm just batting batting them out in the cage (laughs) all i'm doing is i'm trying to suggest that europeans listening to this podcast here in british voice here hi how you doing they're going to be like really i think by and large don't have a good impression of british people Mm. if you're an expat and you're in say catalonian spain barcelona italy whatever at this point of lockdown i'm gonna apologize you're not a bad dude that you know who i'm talking about i'm certain there's loads of who're like lock- oh yeah we know that dude it's jeffrey down the road yeah he's a tool that guy right but i know you're all right i know most people by and large around the world are right but what i'm saying is it's such a weird thing we love europe we love continental europe so much we love the freedom of traveling in europe our governments have screwed it all up. And I'm not talking just the UK. I'm talking throughout Europe. Mm. There's propaganda on both sides that create rifts between Europeans. Mm-hmm. It's happened forever. It's all tribal crap. It's all, it's all like, well, you're left wing and we're ultra right wing. And well, blah, 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 blah. it's, I mean, you're a plane. You need both wings. Shut up. <laughs> you, you fall out of the sky if you ain't got them. Yeah. Get over yourselves. Mm. Air Force One. Enough said. I don't know where that was. And someone's going to transcript this and go, there's something quite profound in that, but you ended it on Air Force One for no reason. Weird. (laughs) Scholars in the future, like, you know, the Australian robots. Yeah, what? (laughs) Anyway, we're going to move back to the point. So the point I'm trying to say is, if we love Europeans that much, and we do, a lot of us have grown up in the two generations, at least, with European friends, Mm -hmm. all of which we can count on our hands in multiple languages because they've taught us them. Mhm. Okay. So, bear in mind, football is a good example. Became a completely European game, mm-hmm. meaning that the free travel has gone all over Europe. Every team is comprised of loads of nationalities. Yeah. No one's exclusive unless they're super lower league and they can't afford a Brazilian. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> um, but basically, all I'm saying is. You know, it's become this transitional European thing. Anyway, naturally, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. Been, become that. We're in a globalized planet. And that's the point. As soon as you say globalization, yeah. a lot of power people have problems with that. And so they want to renationalize everything. Mm. It worked so much better when we're terrified of everyone. You know, those guys, right? Now, my point is the Eurovision Song Contest is that kind of a tyranny. Because for so many years, the Eurovision Song Contest, like the FIFA referees, like any UEFA organization, has hated English people because of that 0.1% of Jeffries that we all know, who's a tall, an expert, just gets drunk all day, demands fish and chips when he's in a steak restaurant. That idiot. Yeah. Those guys. You all know them. hmm Okay. I don't like that. And so Brexit, to me, is the Eurovision Song Contest. It's a bunch of idiot politicians in every sense of the field fighting over points that no one realistically, by and large, wants. Mm. Even the older generations, the thing about the older generations, no offense if you're older and a generation and both at the same time, (laughs) um, but like all of the ones that statistically Mm -hmm. likely, most likely to vote, leave the European Union. Yeah. Okay. There is an argument, and I'm going to say it's a completely sound, 100% valid reason to end the European Union politics. Brussels having central control. That had to go. That's insanity. Because essentially, what you are asking someone to do in a centralized European government is to give up their country's sovereignty to become a Senate state. It would be like the UK having a parliament, but a parliament was only as effective as a senator in the USA. That's what it was becoming. That's what the dream was. And all of the major decisions, therefore, are happening in Brussels, Belgium. There you go. And that, to me, is the only valid reason to leave that. But I never thought that it should be an all-inclusive grouping, meaning the referendum should have been specific. And if it was specific, the vote would have completely changed. The specific I'm talking about is who wants to be out of the political control of Europe? Who wants to be out of the European trade agreements? Who wants to be out of the free pass into Europe? So equal rights around the continent of Europe go. And so you got essentially three referendums and then the results from each determine an overall. Mm-hmm. And I think you would have seen an immensely different result. What I'm trying to say in this is because if you're European, you might have gained because of your propaganda machines on news reports and journalism. It's all the same everywhere. We all have them. I'm not, I'm not trying to be exclusive, but you know, ours is a propaganda machine here in the UK for sure. So all I'm trying to do is say that you're thinking a lot of us British people can't stand continental Europe, can't stand the Spanish, can't stand the Italians, think that we're bigger and better than you. It couldn't be further from the truth. We honestly are more inspired by you. We aspire to be you. That's why most of us build kit cars of Ferraris. Can't afford the real one. So we make a crappy carbon fiber one in our shed. We all think Europe is chic and cool and brilliant and epic. And we had so much. It was so positive having loose borders, it wasn't really defined until at least 10 years ago, the loose borders. Mm. When I introduced the Eurocard, before then it wasn't really defined. So they said, we've had this for years. We haven't. No one has. But it became defined. In the last five or six years, it's been immensely positive. The influx, the attitude, the we did a documentary series, if you're listening. Uh, We haven't released it because someone tried to steal a lot of our clips, and that's why we had to pull it offline. One day we'll probably re-release it, but it was called The Wuxia Effect. And we did a martial art coverage, uh, like a tour of the UK, the USA and Hong Kong to see how relevant the topic was. The biggest things that documentary series did for us was it showed us at that time, which was around 2009. 2009, 2010. Yeah. We saw such a change in London. Mm-hmm. There was so much European uh, and it was all positive. There was not a negative. This was like mixed cultures. You were getting South Americans pouring into London. They had before, but it was really prominent in this period. The cultural exchange, I can only tell you, was a better world than we're currently looking at. A far greater world. And when I'm talking to people in Europe specifically, just to open this up about Brexit, it's so disheartening to me that the politicians transcribed this an immigration message Mm. and then transcribe this as a ludicrous immigration for example we have a situation in the uk where there was a hot spot for the last sort of five six years with polish people coming into this country and doing jobs no one had an issue with it not from the ground if you went to a pub and a polish person served you you wouldn't have a problem in fact you'd try and make friends with them if you're from a country pub I, that's my experience and mm-hmm. everyone was trying to learn off these people, cross ideas, languages, culinary, like you would anyone who is culturally curious. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking every age group. No one had an issue with it. The issue started to arise when lazy British people who used to run post offices, as a supermarket or a local shop in a town centre, went bankrupt, pulled out, became alcoholics, became something like this and just dropped their business. And it went to nothing. And then a Polish guy comes in, makes it a supermarket. Mm -hmm. Now, this happened with Indians. This happened with the Irish. We've had stages of this in the UK predominantly since the Romans left. Okay. Or even when they were here. It's always been an international place. And what people haven't assumed is every generation's carried that hatred with them. And the current generation, the, the ones at the end of it, the retires or the soon-to-be retirees and stuff like this, they have the most hatred. Mm. The reason I have the most hatred is because they feel bitter. Either their businesses do not work out, or they're so successful that this kind of thing stopped them buying all the land near it and building a supermarket because this Polish guy wants not sell to him. There's always an agenda connected to the bitterness. It's not pure hatred. Mm. Not one of these people, I would imagine, and in rare cases this might not be true, but the mass majority have never been to Poland. Yeah. They're literally as ignorant as you can get. They're, they're completely crazy people. Not only that, but their parents' generation, because it's really that slight, Mm -hmm. fought in a world war twice, Mm -hmm. you could say, that their generational line to protect Polish people. Which is ludicrous that we're in this situation. And this is just a tiny percentage, that 0.1% of the UK that's that stupid. Okay, and I'm going to call them stupid. There's no redeeming quality to people that would jeopardize generations below them because of their agenda. It's crazy to me. So, my point of Europe. What I want is I want Spain, Italy, everyone else all to understand that England loves you guys. We do. That Great Britain loves you guys. That's why we're always there every year and all this stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. Fascinating place. Best memories ever. Possibly not going to be there this year because of the current situation. Let's hope, fingers crossed, that we see at the end. But basically, I think Europe needs to know that. I really like your idea of sort of splitting the, the vote with... You well, know, it's too late, but the referendum... Specific, but, but I think the problem with that is that isn't it all intertwined? Like, the politics is influencing the trade and the economics and therefore influencing the culture not. and mobility. Absolutely you know, people not. 100% exclusive. Political decisions at Brussels yeah. came from the, the trade agreement. Mm. When we signed onto the euro post-World War II, and all the treaties were signed, we weren't signing into that movement in Brussels. Over the years, that developed and it was centralized. Mm-hmm. It was around the time Tony Blair was in office that that European government centralized. Okay. And that was the time when we were all talking about switching to the euros, but we didn't. Basically, what the dream was, was to make Europe the usa Mm. continental europe became a usa and you would then sanction power through the senate of all the representatives of each nation it would be like the united nations yeah right european Mm -hmm. so it'd be like britain would have a prime minister but that prime minister had the strength of a senator in the
1: european parliament
0: yeah okay yeah and for years we saw that actually going into it but for years we were kind of like well we're not going to do the euro because mm-hmm. we've got a stronger economy. And we didn't give all of our power to Brussels, but as years progressed, it was getting harder to, to fight them. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot more subversive political decisions happening in this country. And if you are astute in politics, government, or even in the capitalist universe of commerce, or uh, corporate mm-hmm. structure or industry, manufacturing, or a company owner, you will have some degree of knowledge that that was going on. And it was a very bad thing for this country. Right. There is no doubt, because we would have been ultimately in a similar situation to Hong Kong, Mm. where you've got a superseded power, and you're subversive to it. And that doesn't fly in a place like the UK. It just does not fly. It doesn't really, shouldn't really fly in, say, Spain. It shouldn't really fly in Italy, which is why... A lot of these countries have been duped out of their actual political power mm. by not really understanding this super state in Europe. And that's why the EU is falling apart. And it has been for a long time. It wasn't Brexit that was creating that. Europeans were getting smart. Yeah. They're getting astute. A lot of people have been disconnected to politics for a long time. Mm-hmm. My point of saying a referendum about the truth in a referendum, right, have these are separate voting issues, mm-hmm. where I'm grouping them together because that's ludicrous, is exactly my point with COVID-19. The information isn't shared. Mm. You're not explained anything. You're being told things, and it's a lot of things that are condensing into one topic right. and giving you that, yeah. which has no bearing on reality. Mm. Like the referendum on leaving European Union has no bearing on reality which means anyone who partook in that vote wasn't voting for leaving or remaining of their own agenda. So for my example, I voted to leave the European union, say I'm Joe Schmo that voted to leave the European union because I don't agree with a political situation. Fine. This guy then says, well, I voted to leave because I don't agree in immigration. Mm. It's the same thing. You're not getting all the information. Which means both of these guys are believing in the same vote, but when they actually put the vote to task, they actually neither want one things. of them's getting what they actually yeah. asked for. It's a whole package. <laughs> it's a load of other things. Yeah. Okay. And eventually Joe Schmo, the schmuck that said, I don't like immigration, for example, realizes well, we still have immigrants coming in from Asia, South America, Russia, whatever, because that's not considered Europe, America, Canada, whatever and you suddenly have a rise in a different sect of people and this is an ongoing problem so instead of it being europeans turning up we now got africa turning up Mm -hmm. or we've now got mexico turning up yeah and basically they're going to hate the same things yeah it's a never-ending loop you don't solve this just because you were really annoyed that poland turned up your granddad was annoyed that the irish turned up yeah and then his granddad was probably annoyed When the Caribbeans turned up and the the Indians Mm. turned up, it's like, dude, get over yourselves. Mm -hmm. It's a never-ending loop of stupid. The reality is, that's your dumb vote, and that's where it's gone. Mm. And yet all of us were happy. We were cool. We've had the African mates, the Indian mates, the Muslim mates, the Asian mates, the South American mates. We've been to school with Europeans. We love Europeans. We've been to summer school with Europeans. We're all good. We speak four languages. Mm -hmm. Not well, but we speak them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know come off sounding racist, sorry, guys, but you know we're trying mm. there is a different world happening underneath this idiocy cycle, and my point is it's exactly how politicians have treated covid nineteen mm. they haven't given you all the information they have given you enough to make two scattered brain decisions and If there was a referendum after all of this, yeah, to say, did we treat you well, you know if like the government has one of those uh questionnaires that you have often at uh, retail you know were we good today did uh, we make you smile feedback form yeah feedback form and they said did we handle this pandemic well (laughs) right and it became a referendum yeah okay they haven't but they unilaterally haven't done it on their own every nation on this planet has used this situation for political advantage. Mm. And that tells you we're in a time, folks. And just hear me. I'm, I'm just a guy living in a field with sheep, so you can believe whatever I want. Half of this has been needle brain because I'm eight weeks into this crazy thing and I've gone mad. But just understand that there's genius very close to crazy. And I'm just going to say this. We're in a time where we're going to come out of this and if we're not thinking... We're not thinking every day of our lives we need to take the power back. If Rage Against the Machines albums meant and taught anything at all, if punk rock movement, if rock and roll, if heavy metal, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, if this rebellious-natured generational movement, which has just been as proficient as the circle of hatred hating immigrants, mm. it's born, it transcends, it evolves, it whatever. I'm just going to say, I'm not linking the two together. I'm not going to say rock and roll is a racist loop. I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. Rock and roll has generations, music has generations, and rebellion has generations. So does ignorance. Our governments around the world have failed everyone, unilaterally. Mm -hmm. And ironically, the only one that hasn't are Korea, China, arguably Japan. The rest of us... Have the same rhetoric, the same narrative, the same story, and everyone's using it for political maneuvering. Day one, we had all of this stuff about military stuff and all of these tests being done. I mean, they must be terrified of COVID 19. And then you find out week two, they've all got COVID 19. They've had to come back to port. <laughs> all these tests in the English channel are all dead now. They're not. No. They, they, what I'm trying to say is there are people here, like myself, I was dealing with this quite well, because I just, you know, it to me, it's like you're on a field with sheep. What can you do? After a certain time, your brain starts changing and accepts reality. And for me this week, it's been extremely difficult because it's draining. Mm-hmm. It never was draining, and it became draining. Draining in the sense of there's something wrong with this now. There's something super wrong with this. When you've run out of excuses in your mind, and you're like... Okay, science doesn't make sense anymore. The medical stuff doesn't make sense anymore. It didn't at the start for me. I did say that on here at this here podcast. But it, over these weeks it just it's fundamentally not making sense. And we get to that conclusion where something is definitely wrong. This week especially has felt like we've had something dangled in front of our face, like mm-hmm. a little carrot. And we're all going out with our hands, I want the carrot, I want the carrot so badly. It would probably be like better to do this with an Easter egg and it's chocolate. More people would go mad for that. (laughs) Ah, it's an Easter egg chocolate. Carrot, I hate carrots. But if you're a jackass (laughs) that believes in, you know, immigration's a problem, then it's probably a gold watch. Ah, gold watch, ah, diamonds, ah, material wealth, you know, and you're clamoring. And then suddenly the government snatches it away and go, "Uh ah-ah. It's no different. See, here's the thing, guys. We've had what they have dubbed unlimited time outdoors. We did make a joke of this last week Mm -hmm. saying we're all going to live in tents and have a circus. It's been unlimited time.
1: Unlimited time
0: outdoors. Unlimited activities. You can do whatever you want outside now, unlimited. Okay? It's been the coldest week in England in May for some time. Again, climate change, global warming. It's the opposite of that. It's the ice age returning. Anyway, so what I'm trying to say is We have a situation here where the government is now toying with us and if they're going to say month by month we're going to change because of this infection rate, I'm going to tell all of you people listening right here, I am certifiably a medical doctor, but my certifiable medicine, it runs into martial arts, therefore it is not acceptable to the world, but I will tell you this, I'm no quack. And if I had a sit-down conversation with three GPs around the world, you could nominate them, we'd have a conversation, we'd all agree on exactly the same science because that's our base. The only difference for me is that all of mine was taught in proverb, metaphor, translated from Chinese to English. All of their lessons are the unilateral status quo, and that's the only thing that separates us. So chemistry, understanding, same. Physics, understanding, same. Biology, same. What I'm trying to say is this is not how pandemics should operate and at some point the unilateral world has to understand this. For example, there are so many infections that once had an eight-week quarantine, this has a two-week quarantine period where it can infect, et cetera, et cetera. It has a nine-day overall in most cases, but it's changed and there's variables. That's normal in science. But let's just say in three weeks, we should have had the world's biggest number of deaths, percentage, and infection rate in three weeks. Mm -hmm. Because anything after that should be a past the half-life. So what I'm, the peak, as they say, or the curve, which they're redirecting words in this to try and make it seem not normal. What this actually feels like is unilateral world government using this situation as a dummy run, as a testing exercise. But it's at the expense of every one of their citizens. And it's getting to the point where, yeah, okay, I'm willing to play game and I'm willing to believe, yeah, and I'm willing to believe that there is a risk. I, for one, would never want to be a guilty person in the death of another person. Mm. It's just not in my moral code. Unless you really anger me, or you're the guy that believes the Polish of your supermarket, that guy I might take exception to. I might hug him and give him a right kiss in the head, be asymptomatic, and hope for the best. <laughs> but all I'm saying is, you know, all I'm saying is, when that thing runs its course, it's now taking too long to in effect go back to normal and there is something i want to point out joe rogan i've said him before he did a podcast with elon musk take two the second one the first one was infamous Uh, it caused elon musk a lot of grief Uh, the second one is a lot more light but elon musk has said something in that podcast that i have said since day one Mm -hmm. there is no science to support this We have a situation, and I'm saying this to everyone out there right now in Europe. I'm focused on Europe because I feel that after all of this, the young generations, people my age and below, are going to be so united, potentially, because we're going to take over from all of these idiots that think immigration is an issue. Those Mm. idiots, Mm. okay? We're going to take over from them. The cycle of stupid, as I call it. We're going to, the axis of morons, okay? If you're, if you're World War II aficionado, <laughs> we're going to take over these guys. It's our generation next, essentially. And I honestly can't see division. And if there is division, we put all of those people and we send them somewhere that we don't like very much. Um, we make an island. We won't raid another land. We've passed the time of invasion. We make an island, Styrofoam one, a raft and we stick it out there in the middle of the Atlantic or whatever, and they can have their own nation. It will be called Land of the Moron, the Axis of the Douchebag. And we put them all out there. And meanwhile, we get on, okay? Now, I'm just going to say this. For the first time in our history, we should be more united than ever. And I'll tell you why. Unilaterally, our governments singly around the entire planet have failed us. doesn't matter if they're left wing, right wing, in the middle wing, Mm -hmm. uh, on the tail. It doesn't matter what the hell you are. All of your politicians have failed you, because everyone in a democratic society has lost all civil liberty. Which means that politics, left, right, in between, is now failed. Because there is no difference. The left-wing argument is no different to the right-wing argument. There's no difference. In fact, the left-wing argument, especially in Scotland right now, would have us locked down indefinitely. Mm. Through fear. If there's one person in Scotland with this bug, then they'd lock you down indefinitely. I'm just telling you that, guys, because that's the problem with politics. It doesn't matter if your argument's like, well, yeah, but they support the arts. No, they don't. They support the arts by giving you granting that tax pays higher. So it's the same goddamn thing as getting a grant from a right-wing office. If you get a private equity fund, like the the Arts Council coming through the right wing, Uh, political groups, conservatives if you will. It's the same process. But they are lying to you and that's what politics is. PR. It's all a lie. If you want to change it, remind the people in government or anyone listening right there right now who wants to be in government. I'm going to talk directly to you. If you want to be in government, do the job of governing and literally do your job of setting up these um, liberties that we have constitutional rights if you're in the usa and protect the hell out of them because honestly the more we go on in this day and age the more power we're losing in this day and age the more we're paying for the government's mistakes out of our pocket
1: yeah, who would have to raise VAT sure. and taxes? This is, one,
0: this all is that. one of the reasons a lot of people hated Tony Blair, hated mm-hmm. him because the tax went higher. Yep. We were paying for more. It was great for certain people on equity out there in the acting world because they were paying less. Mm. It was great for civil servants, they were getting paid more. But all I'm going to say is in Tony Blair's time, he failed. He failed because he bankrupted our state, sold everything off, built tons of hospitals we couldn't fill up. It was a nightmare scenario. Mm. So there is no pure, perfect government. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. And the right wing that you are convinced is helping the higher bracket, the rich get richer. You are missing the point that your employer is being able to employ. So it's all bad. It's all messed up. And unless you've got complete transparency, almost like the monarchy way back when, or dare I say, communist China, Essentially, to the citizens, there's nothing but transparency. To the West, you might look at it as censored, and all this, that's your opinion. It's not a fact. You don't read Chinese, so you don't know that for a fact. But if you are looking at all of this situation, like our monarchy of England, once upon a time, when they're a good monarchy, they're great for the people. Mm. When they're a bad monarchy, they're scary, terrifying. We all live like nutters, chopping each other's heads off, (laughs) marrying each other's dogs, whatever. In China, and it's China's kind of evolution. I would say it's their industrial age right now. Victorian England is a good comparison to China right now. If you look at... China, it's a lot more modern and it's a lot more tech savvy, but it is that comparison. They're, they're building their industries. But if you look at China, to its citizens, I don't think, with the exclusivity of, say, Hong Kong and Taiwan, who are separate cultures anyway, mm-hmm. and have been for 100 plus years. Yeah. So let's separate those. Taiwan more recent of 75-ish years, but Hong Kong, 100 years, easily. Separation from the main state. An escape, an exile port, if you will, okay? You don't know China. You're in our group. We're all looking at China like, we don't know what you're doing. We don't know what you're saying. We don't know what's going on. You're massive. We haven't got a clue. We've looked at you with binoculars. No idea. Not a sausage. Why the hell is your army playing volleyball with each other on the beaches? Don't get it. Why is everyone parking their tanks up Don't understand it. Blowing ping pong balls into the sky. I don't get it. What's going on with that? It's weird. So we're all looking at this like it's a foreign entity. We haven't got a clue. And that creates the ignorance. And therefore, you're automatically guiding yourself to be in that stupid section of, I hate immigration. Mm. Your brain's already going there. Difference makes us go, oh, they're different. We're better. We're superior. Mm. We're all human. Mm. So let's get rid of that thought for a start. But what I'm trying to do here in this little exercise and the point of the podcast is that I'm trying to get you all to see in eight weeks, UK exclusively, it's been different. It's been more like nine for Spain, more like nine for Italy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's different times. We're roughly around the same. So two months. Yeah. If you put all of this into a nutshell, look at it all like I'm saying, it's an active metaphor. I will tell you from a medical scientific specific point, there is no sense to this anymore. They've run out of excuses. It does not make sense. The way they are communicating it to 90% of the world out there, and I don't care who's got a problem with this. You never talk to me about it in my comments anyway. I don't care who's got a problem with this. I'm going to say it. The science community is basically using this for their own political agenda. Case in point, Elon Musk eloquently put it, there are cash incentives in the USA to say that someone died from COVID-19 in your hospital. That's ludicrous. That completely screws up your variable and stats because most hospitals are being limited to 35% capacity in the USA because they've been told to not treat outside patients, meaning cancer sufferers, anyone who's death or emergency cases, all of that you can't take. Hmm. This is literally all to prepare them for an onslaught of COVID-19 that just has not and will not ever occur. Same in the UK nightingale hospitals a big joke it's all psychology it's a psychological play now there was a real reason to be concerned about this near the epicenter of this pandemic but the problem about europe and the usa and the rest of the world is they say china hasn't been transparent that's not true they haven't been bothered to be transparent with china china has communicated in the science field, you can see it documented online in free press, all of their findings in this situation, but we haven't done the research. That's like saying, hey, they're telling us all of this stuff, we looked at it for five minutes, it's a bunch of X and Yag and it looks like Elon Musk's kid name, I don't get what the hell this is. It's like a hangman game, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't have time to play this. And because of that, we've lost the entire plot. And we're in that ignorance stream. Mm. Now, every single thing that was happening, this quick turnaround thing, it was people coming in here. there are unilateral issues with this science, okay? And the podcast is going a bit longer this week because of this point, but there is unilateral problems in science with this. For example, there is no distinct definition in this whole situation of who is dying directly from coronavirus stroke COVID-19, because it piggybacks off the base virus. So the virus is a virus, and then you pick up this disease called COVID-19, just to reclarify that. Who's dying from that? Purely, mm. globally, statistically, in all walks of life, social care, hospitals, community, whatever they've categorized it as. Because you'll find that the number is ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. Because science from day one was saying two-thirds of the global population is going to be immune to this. They changed the term, asymptomatic. That means immune. You will have it, but you won't feel it. It will not generate any issue to you and your body, but you can spread it to another person. That's what asymptomatic means. It means immune, but you can carry the germ. Much like if you wee on your own hand, you'll carry the germs from your wee <laughs> on your hand. Gross. Right? It's the same thing. I'm just putting it out there, okay? <laughs> now, if you then turn around, and say, okay, that's the situation. Two-thirds of this planet can kill a third, roughly. This is very estimate, okay? But that seems to be even less now. As this goes on, it seems to be less than a third of the global population that can actually die purely from COVID and coronavirus crossing each other, piggyback from virus to disease, okay? Here's the thing. When you look at the death rate in totality, I would argue 98.9% of those death rates are pre-existing conditions. And then they had something that attacked their immunity system and added to a whole bunch of issues medically that they had. And yet no information globally has restricted, and this is going to sound awfully like Brexit, which is why I made a comparison. No one's put it in that tier. So you haven't got the separated tier. You haven't got what, who's died from this infection alone who's died from pre-existing health conditions Mm -hmm. and therefore this. And the third one, which is the worst one, is who died in the time of COVID-19 and allocated an opportunity for hospitals to gain extra money and benefits by saying this guy died from COVID-19, say that guy that day had had a heart attack in the back garden. Mm. He goes into hospital and his last breath contracts COVID-19. Let's say this as a scenario. They then test for COVID-19 post-mortem mm-hmm. and find that he was infected and then call him a coronavirus death. Yes. They're, so yeah. that's a whole separate chapter of death. Mm-hmm. And how many percentages of those are, in are the actually... Figures. But this is the point. Those deaths, and they've been calculated in the whole tally, are probably the majority. Mm. And if they are the majority... We have a situation where this whole lockdown has been caused from people manipulating and making financial gain off death Mm. which by the way is a worst case scenario in humanity if the government's taken the power from the nhs whilst maintaining its chapter of save the NHS, or whatever your health service is called, unilaterally around the world, if they have been saying we need to protect our doctors and nurses whilst burying them into financial and economy breakdown to near bankruptcy by making them ban 75% of their work in hospital structure, the administrations of these hospitals, especially in America, in the NHS it's different, getting a cash incentive just to maintain practice normally you suddenly have a huge issue. And this is what I'm saying to the whole world out there because there is a lot of people, especially elderly people, who have no time to think about this stuff. This stuff that I've just said is completely alien to them. They're not medically trained. Some of them might be a retired GP, and if you are, God bless you. But all I'm saying is the mass majority of people panicking right now are the ones who feel vulnerable right now. People losing their jobs, people who are... Easily susceptible to this with a pre existing health condition. People with cancer can't even get to a hospital yeah. because they've not been allowed to and been warned by their GPs that if they do turn up, they might get this infection because it's a hotbed right now of mm-hmm. this infection. Things like this are inexcusable acts of humanity. It's a failure. And so, where there are heroes in the NHS and where there are doctors and nurses who have worked like saints. It's the only word, you know, like superheroes mm-hmm. through this time. They've seen the horrors of this firsthand. There is no debate worldwide. This hasn't been real. It has not been an epidemic. Definitely hasn't been a risk enough to lock the entire nations everywhere, unilaterally around the world. There is no way I support that. Now, friends, close friends of mine who are doctors, surgeons and stuff like this, they have pressure in their hospitals and organizations. So they can't think outside the status quo too much because they are still in their first tenure of being junior doctors or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, They know who they are. They're probably listening right now. They have to do everything they can to believe the situation is true, open, and transparent. And I am going to tell them now, first time I've done this in eight weeks, it is not. There is a political agenda in this. It could be considered a dummy run, which means, by the way, folks, that governments might be prepared for something a lot more significant five years, six years down the road. Yeah. There could be bio threats every day. You know, basically working for government in the extreme countries, the richest countries in the world, is a lot like being a celebrity. It's like being George Clooney. Some people are gonna be angry at you and are going to give you death threats every mm. day. Some people are going to be super happy that you're doing great things and they'll give you fan mail. But what I'm trying to say is it's no different. If you're a politician, PM or president of a country, you are constantly getting threats every day from terrorist groups, splinter cells, fundamentalists, people who are like anti-Europe policies, whatever. And this could all be to put it back in kindness to the government to save us from a darker truth. Mm. And to set this up in motion, to run this unilateral virtual pandemic test with something that is real, you have to have truth because otherwise it will be exposed extremely quickly and we'll all be like yeah right yeah you have to have truth there has to be reality to this so people who died in Lombardy, very real people who died in spain very real people who've died in the uk very real north america very real and around the world all true deaths but how many of them are actually directly from this thing i would imagine super low numbers i always did the science didn't make sense and i am gonna probably be the first person to put my name on this and say, like, you know, don't believe it. But believe that there is a reason for this. Because no government unilaterally around the planet, democratic especially, can create such a rift of civil liberty to its people and come out of this unscathed if this is all a lie. Because it will be the worst case of governments unilaterally around the world being disobedient to its public, what I tend to think in this world is that we have governments around the world that are becoming a little bit too obsessed with being parents. Molly yeah. And they sugarcoat a lot. And maybe this was a unilaterally agreed. There was documented cases where the United Nations or the G8 groups, the top countries in the world basically met for a pandemic simulation last year 2019 towards the end of it this could all be that as a war game we could all be just basically seeing like well we've had threats recently of bio warfare and all this stuff mm. we need to know that we've got all the measurements in place we can unilaterally save as many people as we can for something really bad like truly bad like with a 90 percent kill rate or something like this so this could be for future proofing humanity uh this could be uh it could be a manipulation of political agenda. It could be any of these things. I'm just asking anyone listening right now, save your panic. Keep doing a lockdown thing just in case. Abide by that until, the, the you know, if you rebel at this point, you are just putting yourself in danger. So all I'm going to say is keep honoring the lockdown protocols as your governments around the world are stating to each other and stuff like this to the Europeans out there. I'm just going to say, we're unilaterally the same. All of our generations are basically these free thinking, uh, multicultural people mm-hmm. with different ethnic friends. We all love each other's country. Yeah. It's apparent. And so there should not be in our football. There should not be in our sporting events or whatever they are, Olympics or whatever, there shouldn't be this hatred that comes with clubs kicking off. They should be passionate mm-hmm. 100%, but not hatred. You know, good case of that was the Roma fan stabbing a Liverpool supporter two years ago in the Champions League. Stuff like that shouldn't happen. We should be way beyond that now. Mm. So any rebirth, any cycle of this ignorance, any of your parents telling you stuff that you believe, oh, they've come and stolen our jobs and then a kid's spouting that nonsense because his dad said it to him, that's got to die because it's just not true. It's just not true. We lost the jobs because we didn't care about them. We're not going to do the fruit picking because we're better than that. We've got a law degree. Why the, how would we work in a field? That's dumb. That's below us. We're not cattle. That mentality is no work ethic. Demanding the highest and the best of everything, no work ethic. And ultimately, my solution to a lot of the kids now, anyone who's say, teenager right now, coming into their 30s right now, even going up to their 40s right now, The 30s and 40 year olds of us will have more memory of this, but it's what I really wanted to say. My solution to rebuilding the world after all of this isn't to complain, isn't to be cynical. We need to understand the cynicism. We need to understand that this could be against the people. But if we're going to complain, if we're going to protest, if we're going to go out and shout about it, we're not working. We're not putting money back into the economy. We're not rebuilding our nation. So if we're going to do that, We need to know what work ethic looks like. And I'm going to tell everyone something I've been doing this week to get me through this as a little anecdote, as a little thing to help you all out there. If you've got Netflix, uh, if you're from Thailand, you can probably find it at a copy site, you know, piracy.com, whatever you do. Um, But what I'm saying is there's a Chicago Bulls documentary series and it's called The Last Dance. Just to set this up, and this is literally the last point of the podcast, I just want to loop it all together with this. The Chicago Bulls in the 90s were literally the most dominant basketball team, winning back-to-back championships uh, three in a row. Then a gap where Michael Jordan went off and played baseball. Then he came back and they won more championships. So getting to the point of six, last one won was ninety-eight. Since then, the Chicago Bulls have plummeted. Their stock is frozen. They're not as great. They've had ups and downs, but they're not what this team was. This team was one of these teams that comes out every generation. Mm. Barcelona's been that with Lionel Messi for a long time. Cristiano Ronaldo at Real Madrid, you could argue, was that. Liverpool is now, I feel, that here, Man United with that back in the 90s, etc. Every team, Blackhawks were that in ice hockey not so long ago, so were the LA Kings, you know. Every team... uh, Patriots in NFL. Yeah. Really good example. So everyone's team has this moment of spotlight. Tom Brady, probably the American football equivalent of Michael Jordan in basketball. Now, the reason Michael Jordan in basketball is so immensely legendary to me as a kid was that his work ethic was no holds barred. I'm here to win. I'm here to walk in, do my job. I'm going to leave. I'm going to be the best ever. Mm. And he single handedly could turn around entire playoffs, not just the game, the entire playoff series, mm. the equivalent of the entire Champions League, if you will. He alone could change all of that. So if a team beats him in, say, round one, he'll take that to heart, think about it all week, go mm. around to round two and batter the hell out of him on his own, scoring often between 38 to 50 points on his own. Mm. The guy is work ethic. And right now, there are two key factors missing in this world. Passion for your nation, passion for where you're from and the people around you, passion for your culture and passion for your friendships and your family. Now, this is where certain ethnic groups have an advantage. If you're Islamic or if you're a Chinese-cultured Asian persuasion, You've got the family passion. You've definitely got your friend's passion. But you haven't got a solo passion. You haven't got the work ethic always. You're trying to do it for someone else. Okay, if you make that your thing. This is where we rebuild our nations. I'm not saying it's true of all Islamic people. There are some out there. Mohammed Salah is a good example, role model. No one can beat that guy's work ethic. You know, there's been loads of people in the Islamic world who are world class at what they do. Same in the Jewish world, same in the Christian world. I'm talking now. We have a situation unilaterally where our kids, anyone teenager up to their 40s, has a problem with work ethic and will complain and will ask for more cash bailouts and will ask for money. They won't look for fixing their own issues. You know, they won't look at it. If there's people out there with a bad leg, bad back, bad whatever, and they're complaining, oh, my health is atrocious and you're a beast, for example. I am right now. I've gained a lot of weight in the last couple of years because I just haven't had time. I've been hugging sheep too often. Now, if you're out there and you listen, just take my advice to you right now. I used to be an athlete. So this is depressing when you're in this rut. And this whole situation is depressing because you don't know when it ends. And it seems to mess with your motivation. There is one guy I know and we did. That's why he came on his show, Diamond Dallas Page. He specializes in motivating you back from the abyss, so to speak. And for a lot of you, it's not going to work. For a lot of you, it could work. It's like a 50-50 split, Mm -hmm. I'm going to say. For me, it's just a case. I don't know if I'm coming and going. This all started when I was house hunting. I don't have a base yet. We're living in a field with sheep. Uh, So at the end of the day, When I watched Michael Jordan, it reminded me, when I watched this documentary, and it's a fascinating documentary, even if you're not too into basketball, I almost guarantee by the time you watch it, you will be into basketball. It's insane. And it's a time in my life when I was a teenager that all of this was happening. And it was super uh, relevant to when when I was growing up, because the NBA blew up in this country at that time. We never had access to it. And around the 90s, it exploded. And that paved the door to the NFL later and everything now that kids can totally take for granted. It's all on Sky Sports. Then it wasn't. And you have to wait. Channel 4 did the All-Star Games and they probably play four games a year and stuff. But the point of the documentary is that to come out of all of this, if we focus on being cynical in the first wave once this lockdown clears, if we forget, if we go back to normal like nothing ever happened, like, we're just back to normal, it'll never happen to happen, These two months, we just right off, never happened, okay? That's impossible to certain people, especially with finances. So you got two scenarios here. you got the first case scenario, we're cynical, we begrudgingly blame the government, we hate them, blah, 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 they've all let us down. That's option one. Option two is we drop everything as if it never happened, and we get on with it, and we just go back as if it's normal. And that's option two. But the more likely, which is option three, is you're going to find yourself vulnerable. You're going to find yourself in a situation where your life has been taken from under your feet. You're going to be in a situation where you don't know when you're going to have complete liberty back if you're looking for a house. You don't know when you're going to be able to get that house. You don't know when you're going to be able to travel abroad. If you're working in, say, Milan or something like this, there's a lot of don't knows. Use this as an opportunity to rebuild your passion, for your friends and your family and your work ethic and yourself. And if I were you, especially as a teenager, still forming in this crazy time that no one above you can relate to, no one below you can relate to. It's a unique situation to be a teenager in this era. This is a one off for us all. So there is no one that can give you true wisdom not your mom, not your dad, not your uncles, not your aunties, and definitely not your younger siblings. This is very much, we're all in this together. See this as the unique opportunity to bond with another culture, with another ethnicity, with another town, and another city, and see what you can do just in traveling and reaching out and seeing what you can do in different experiences. Because the future in your teenage bracket and your young adults, everyone who's been at university for the first year and has been pulled out or locked down in student halls or whatever your situation is, there's a lot of that going on, too. It's very little, seldom spoke about. Don't come out of this destroyed. Don't come out of this with a black heart. Don't look for blame. Don't look for complaints. Look at this to reboost all of the things you ever wanted to do, because I'm going to tell something that no prime minister will ever say, no president will ever say, no newspaper journalist will ever say right now. This world has never revolved more about the individual's effort as it is going to once this lockdown ends. Because there are so many closed, permanently shut, bankrupt businesses, so many empty spots on your street, the economy is destroyed. It's not doom and gloom, guys. It's a clean slate. Mm. We got it wrong. We got it wrong post-World War II up to this point. Because if we got it right, we'd never be in this situation. But we are. So we got it wrong. And therefore, if we're going to get it right, it's down to our effort. Not the government's effort. Not what they owe us. Not what this guy owes you. Not because this guy injured me and I can't walk anymore because I haven't even tried to exercise you. I'm just bitter. It's you listening right now. And I think that another thing we can do from the Michael Jordan exercise in winner takes all losing isn't an option is congratulate the people around us who have earned their successes not the entire few that have inherited it but the ones that have earned it because too many times we put everyone in one bracket they're billionaires mm-hmm. and that one bracket billionaires That's successful yeah, yeah they're the 0.1 percent in a different way they're not the schmucks that live out there Jeffrey who's like a expat out Demanding fish and chips at a state restaurant. They're the ones that are so rich, we can't even remotely get close to them. Dude, you will find 95% of the economy is built from effort. Mm-hmm. It is just Wall Street stock exchange, not everyone at Wall Street, but the largest percentage that are the ones that are questionable. Bankers and all of this that is very artificial. There's nothing man made in that. It's all numbers and stats and whatever. I'm talking to people who own the innovations that you hold in your hand, the phones and all this stuff. They don't just grow on trees, kids. They are made, they are processed, they're huge teams of 8,000 people developing these things. So you'll get your phone, and that day that it launches, for the next three or four years till the upgrade, they're designing a new one. And it's a never-ending cycle. So just because we can sit here and say the rich and the fortunate, the Vince McMahon's of this world, the Bill Gates of this world, the Donald Trumps of this world are all negative, look into it a bit more because holding that hatred is killing people. And if you are having society in a left winged voice movement, and again, I'm not left or right. I'm someone that believes in complete government, which will never happen. So I'm Zen Buddhist in this argument or Confucian in this argument. So you can shout at me all you want. I'll never agree to either side, but I'm going to say this in closing. The left-wing voice in our world is killing success for the people growing in this world because they're blaming success as evil, and it's the loudest voice on the internet, it's the most bitter voice on the internet, and kids don't have a dream anymore. If you dare dream to be an entrepreneur, you're written off as a bad guy. If you dare dream to be a Hollywood celebrity, you can't be an A-list celebrity. You can't be the George Clooney or Brad Pitt. You've got to be the mundane community-level celebrity. Otherwise, you're considered a sellout. Uh, uh, you, You must have sold your soul to Satan. You can't be in a successful band like the Beatles anymore because if you even attempted it, if you went past the YouTube platform and you went to the music industry and you became the next Justin Bieber, and look how much stick Justin Bieber's ever got, you will be the target of hatred because people hate success. And in the Michael Jordan basketball story of The Last Dance, the final year takes place centralised in the final year of when Phil Jackson managed the balls when they were the dream team after a huge success run, you are going to see exactly what I'm talking about going back to the 90s, which is almost a historical period piece for a lot of you guys listening. And you're going to see exactly what it is when the guy that's the most successful guy in the room is suddenly destroyed by everyone around him. The journalists, people taking advantage, and it's not an old story. Any successful, and I'm talking mad successful celebrity, mad successful inventor, scientist, sports person, Elon Musk's a damn good example, when they are at their apex, when they are bulletproof, when they've done nothing controversial, I mean nothing controversial, journalists find a way to find the controversial. Oh, he's bet on a poker game. Therefore, he's got a gambling addiction. Oh, he went out with a random girl. He turned out to be his sister. But we're gonna say, oh, she's thirty years younger than him. So he's got a new girlfriend, and he's doing it behind his wife. And you read this stuff and you believe it one hundred percent. Well, just newsflash for you: Welcome to social media. That's the platform. That's what's going on. That's why success is being destroyed for people. That's why depression's on the rise. That's why, in a time of peace, we're imbalanced. There's no big science behind it, kids. And I've lived in a field with sheep for two months, all right? I can talk fluent sheep, (laughs) is what I'm talking about, okay? I can go around the world, talk to all the sheep in the world. You haven't had it as bad as me and I have to wait for the ice cream truck to come back with the Wi-Fi, and then I have to mass download. I'm like, yeah, I'm running down like three, four miles down the road following that van, and I have to download all of these Netflix specials in that time. It's very, very complicated. All of you guys sitting there right now with your Wi-Fi and stuff like getting depressed and thinking that your life sucks. It doesn't, it's amazing. Beautiful time. And I'm putting this message out there to all and every one of you. This world is yours. This world is ours and there is literally nothing but a clean slate. Once this sets in motion and everything phases back in, if you are wasting time complaining and not doing something amazing, not taking everything as a beautiful gift, because like, dude, we haven't even seen another country for two months. around. It's ludicrous to think. And we had this like, take for granted mentality going into this. We never saw this coming. We've had two months, it's changed the world. There is no doubt it's changed the world. And if you're listening around Europe and you're an expat, you're not Jeffrey, I hope you're not Jeffrey. Don't be Jeffrey in your place. Take it like Spain or anywhere that you might be in right now, Asia or anything like this, North America. You are privileged to be where you're at. And I know you know that because I know that you've got an alternative memory of what life was like in a boring, thunderous, crappy weathered place on the British Isles, so you've got to be thankful for that and thankful for the new turn and and what's going on out there and how much life has gifted you. And when all of this comes back to normal, it's a unique opportunity for every single one of us to change the world, not a cliche way, but in a real way. And I'll leave you with that until next week. Hopefully it will go back to warm next week. Hopefully we won't have a drop down. I think it is. I think what's happened is the thermostat in the heavens got knocked by someone's elbow and it went right down. You know, it's like a little hi-fi volume control. And it went right down to like a minus five on the old little knobby control there. And now they turn it back up slowly, slowly, because they recognize it and they just turn it gradually, gradually, gradually. And so you hear that crescendo bit where everyone does the head bash a bit in Wayne's World to Bohemian Rhapsody, that bit. And we're about to get the crescendo. It's going to be 20 degrees. It's going to be 20 degrees, they're saying, by Saturday. So let's hope, fingers crossed. Anywhere, anyone around the world right now, stay safe, stay locked down. Follow your country's government protocol on this situation. Just... Do that so none of you get arrested. That's all I want. I don't want any of our listeners to get arrested or any of your friends either. Just respect the situation. Save all of the internal thoughts. Write them all down. Don't protest in the streets. Write them all down. Secure them for afterwards when you can ask questions to your politicians. You're in a democratic society. You all deserve that. And they will have to do that because that's a law here. Or America or around Europe. Get on with another week. Hopefully, we'll have more good news about the uh, lockdown lifting next week. Uh, two things to just remind you to put out to you watch the Elon Musk interview with Joe Rogan. Go check out DDPY. He's an alumni on our podcast. He's an amazing friend of ours. Check out what he's doing uh, with DDP yoga out in uh, Georgia right now. And also, USA, that is, not Georgia, his friend's house. Uh, and also, Go and watch The Last Dance, The Story of Chicago Balls uh, on Netflix right now. It, it's just super affirming and it's super positive and I think it's the ingredients. It's not how everyone's going to do it, not everyone has to be a hostile competitive freak. I think it's just the glory and the fight and the victory and the human effort that created those six championships for the Chicago Bulls back in the 90s. I think that is your secret to just get positive again, to find out that human beings once built the pyramids, you know, we're we're in a time of peace. Look at where things were going before all of this. Look at how it stops for two months and we think it's apocalyptic. And then remember, it's not. This is now your position in life to transcend. And I honestly think we're gonna come out of this around Europe, around Asia, globally. We have for the first time proven one thing to humanity. We're all human. And this has affected us all, race, creed, color, ethnic, whatever. Religion, don't matter. It's all the same. And I think that's vital going forwards. And the first thing I'm going to do when I leave this situation is hug my Jewish friends, my Hindu friends, my Islamic friends, my Buddhist friends, my Confucianist friends, my Taoist friends, my Christian friends, my Catholic friends. And then the one weird kid who's a Mormon. And if I hug all of those guys, not at once, we'll all feel the same way. First human contact, this is amazing. And all I'm just saying out there is follow the lockdown protocols of your nations. But look forward to hugging everyone afterwards because it's coming. We'll be here this time next week. Thanks for listening. It's been a pleasure.